Hello and welcome to the Euphoria Podcast. This is the start of playoffs, folks. It's season seven, episode 10. We're heading into playoffs round one. I'm Dracos. That's Cadrol. Between us in his plastic prison, jail. hashtag COVID safe. Yeah. Uh, is, yeah, the little jail. Bigger jail this time, though. It's none other than Ender. Ender, thank you for Give more room. waking up early this morning. Am I just on the podcast? Like, am I just a part of it? Is it a trio cast now? Like, what's going on? I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know. The fans really like you. They're a big fan of the, like, the three nice. of us having conversations, which is good because they're going to get more of it when we cast Fanatic versus SK this Friday. Just becoming more and more like the dive every week. Now we've got more. two Americans on the show. <laughs> I love you're, the comments from the last, next time, last time show. was like, <laughs> Rename Euphoria to two Americans bully the Brits because yeah. of the amount of fish sauce I had to drink. And yeah, it's so good. We should rename it. Okay. Yeah. This, this yeah. is the this is the bully power hour. Yeah. Bully power hour. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shut up, Cadrill. Just <laughs> intermittently. Just cut you off. I don't matter. care what you have to say. How many times have you made playoffs? Shut up. Shut drink up. some just, fish just sauce. Actually, bully you. Yeah. Just be rude. <laughs> Jesus. Such. Um, as always, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Um, here's what's going to happen today. We reached out to you guys on Twitter and asked for a bunch of questions. So we're going to be answering your questions throughout the podcast. We're going to be mixing it in with some of the conversations that are going to be happening. But it's playoffs time. So today, primarily, we're going to be talking about all three of our playoffs matchups. That's Fnatic versus SK, Shocker versus G2, and Rogue versus the Mad Lions. But before we do that, uh, there's a lot of things coming into playoffs that are changing. Players in the studio, there's a new patch players playing on stage, prepping for best of fives. There's a lot of little changes to look at. But before we even get into that, we had one question that's been coming up more and more that I wanted to talk about before we, we talk about playoffs proper, which is a lot of people, Zanzara kind of kicked this conversation off, and I think a lot of people are now following up on it, expanding the league, adding more teams. I would love to know how you guys feel about this as a concept. Obviously, our perspective is limited as people who don't work on the team business side of things. But I was just curious, how do you guys feel about more teams in the league, 10 versus 12 versus some people are even saying 14? What are your thoughts on expanding the league? Well, yeah, like you said, talking from a business standpoint is a bit difficult. So talking from a player standpoint, obviously, it brings more competitiveness to the league. That's quite obvious. I think the bottom teams would uh, have more competition in a sense. And I guess you'd make it eight teams go to playoffs in that case. If you had 12 teams, I'm not sure how it works. I mean, you, just can, you can pitch it to me. Yeah, like I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't know. If you, if you have eight teams going to playoffs, obviously the league is just stronger because you have more more teams in the league and that brings more innovation, more differences in picks, more differences in styles. So. <laughs> Here's the question. Yeah. With eight teams going to playoffs in our 12 or 14 team league, does Excel make playoffs or they just get knocked down? No. wrong. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know. I'm not you're an you're an excel excel anymore. Anymore. You're you made it to playoffs. You don't have to take uh, yeah. this personally. No, yeah. Well, uh, well, hope they make it. <laughs> uh, I'll be casting them. I'm going to make playoffs this week. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> if they get some place every time, eight teams in. I love it how every good. single E4, no matter what an excel meme comes out, <laughs> no matter what. It's the good meme. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Eventually, yeah. the gift has to... I would think that the gift would stop giving and eventually they'd make playoffs, but it's just... It's a curse, dude. Yeah, if they don't make an next split... Yeah, the meme will never die. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. 12 teams. 12 yeah, teams. Well, I'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Ender? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think from like a player player side of things, I, I think we definitely have the the talent to fill out, you know, 10 more players uh, on, on two extra teams inside the league. I think the, the biggest question is like how competitive can like two new orgs be with other orgs. In yeah. Because we, we've already seen like, obviously like no team can really compete monetarily. It seems like with G2 and trying to like get like 
high level players like that and like yeah. stacking them up well um but like can you compete with like the mid-tier teams and trying to break into that because i don't think anyone wants two teams that are like just kind of like struggling to hang on it's like we can only sign these rookie players that doesn't really help anyone you need two teams that have the funding have it have the will to to do that yeah and not knowing too much about that i think the other big thing that the g2 has going for them is that they just have a world-class roster so if one player True. leaves everyone in, in our league wants to be on that team like i'm I'm sure that if you're like cajal if, if g2 said we want you to play support you'd be like Dude, yes why I not i would i would, I would learn a new role i would even play nami for them if i had to <laughs> that's how badly i would want to join that team but i think you're right like they have not only is it a star center roster but like the brand is like being a part yeah. of g2 it's so prestigious you're like wow look at me i'm part of g2 it's like one of the best orgs in the world right now so yeah i think that um it's really important to have like not only the player base but also like the fan base behind you to give you that more like an extra boost as a term of the brand to make you to get your name out there right so i think the thing that would i would see with 12 teams going a bit more businessy here is like if i'm 12th or 11th place it's so hard to push my brand right no one really yeah. cares the fan base might get spread out more because there's more teams so it makes it a lot more harder to actually grow your brand i guess but also brings more competitiveness to the region more talents and more talented players can join i think there's obviously two to three players in each role that could join the lec right now in national league so Obviously, the competitive side would get better. It's just a question of like the business side, the brand side, all these different things. The broadcast side. Being the broadcast, more broadcast side. Do we go to BO3? Too. Do we go to BO2? Do we stay on BO1? No, why? You got... Stop it, you, please. You can't add more teams and then also BO3. That's what You just want to cast every day. You're like, I've given up on streaming. Streaming yeah. is no longer good for me. I want to cast six days a week. We are the LPL then. Yeah, LPL style. <laughs> no, I, I nope. can't. I Like, look, I, I, there's, uh, on a personal <laughs> level, I'll do what I have to. You know, I, I'm happy to, <laughs> happy to fight for that paycheck, but... <laughs> when do we bring in more casters? Bring in more That's casters. Yeah. More yeah. teams, more, cast more casters, more games. Need. We need more Ooh. casters. We need like th we need 30 casters. That's what we need. Yeah. We just need 30 casters? Because then know. we only so have then to cast like a, one game then it's like a, It's not a tri-cast. It's a pentacast. The pentacast. The pentacast. Like the Korean cast where you just have four dudes shouting oh! over each other. Oh! Faker! I think I would be really good at just screaming player names, and that could be my only contribution. Really? Wow. Yeah. You could be play-by-play. Play. Dracos wouldn't, though. <laughs> Dracos wouldn't, though. You know why? Why? Because he mistaked upset for reckless. Oh, my God. <sighs> no, I'm dude. I'm still getting messages, by the way. I post that thing on Twitter. I still get DMs on Instagram like, hey, buddy, I'm, <laughs> I know you like to live in the past, but it might be time to move on. Like... It's okay. I called Reckless Perks like three times in one game this year. So yeah, it's, it was rough. I always get a team names mixed up. And Mad Lines, wait, uh, G2 in the fight. Oh. Um, yeah. Now imagine if you had 12 teams. Ooh. Bring it back in though. That's I think true. that for me, when I look back at last summer when we had this really close playoffs race or like the final season we had before we swapped to the LEC where it was like that H2K neck and neck kind of race for playoffs. Um, I always feel good about it. Yeah, yes, let's add more teams. But this split, Astralis and um vitality were like invisible mm. all season yeah right we're like non-existent and obviously when we look when we look at the last few weeks you can go you know but they turned it around they really showed up and it's if we have two more teams like that that are going to struggle at the bottom of the standings i don't want a situ i want a situation where yes our league can be a little bit top heavy i think is as expected with rogue and g2 playing as well as they are but i don't want a situation where we essentially have like two leagues of competition we have like the bottom half the bottom let's say six teams fighting each other and the top six fighting each other because that's my biggest fear as the league gets bigger and bigger is yeah. that like if the if the skill gap actually just continues to widen i think super top heavy leagues are really really boring to watch yeah. so i that's my biggest fear yeah I, I completely agree and that's why i think like 
Oh, we've both sort of said, or we've all said it, like the National Leagues have enough talent to to fill out more rosters, but that's where, like, I'm not worried at all about the players. I I need to see, like, two organizations with, like, very proven track records already, yeah. like, in the ERL system that I know will be able to compete and, like, do better than that, you know? Um, and, like, one bad split here or there, that's totally fine, like, uh, like obviously. Um, but you need orgs that you know are going to, like, commit and, like, work really hard to push themselves forward. Yeah, and again... Yeah. I'm not saying any of this is a league representative, so we'll see. It's hard for us to know the business side. Sustainability also very important, but but I think pushing the spiciness is so important. Like if you look at G2, not only like we were talking about the players, but like the social side of things, they like make so many memes. They're really funny on social media, all this stuff, and like having two extra teams that can do that could make it more interesting in general. But I think you're right. The league just gets saturated to the point where the bottom half of the table is really boring to watch, and no one really wants to watch it because of the skill gap difference. When it's like the top four playing versus the bottom four, when there's 12 teams, whereas now there's like a balance of quantity and quality right now where it's like the bottom two teams yes they might be bad but they can upset every now and then Astralis had a few wins even though they were out Vitality were trying to push for wins but they couldn't find them yeah and then you had the middle of the pack like four teams fighting for one spot which you love to see whereas if there was 12 teams there could be most cases if I'm maybe if I'm not mistaken I think most cases would be very little playoffs races you'd have like two teams fighting for one spot maybe like the last eighth spot and then two or three or four teams which is basically out and then there yeah. wouldn't be as much excitement. I think the balance right now is really good from a fan perspective, from a viewer perspective. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see twelve teams personally, unless there's a huge format change on the entire league. Because I think right now what we've got is working really well. Yeah, and I would be very sad to see our playoffs format change because I'm a very big fan of that. And speaking of playoffs, let's talk a little bit about um, kind of expectations coming in. Uh, the big thing that I think is on my mind that has been showing up in a ton of Twitter questions. Shout out to everyone who submitted a question. Is the environment change? Is playing in the studios? So I have some assumptions, but in your guys' eyes, who are like the biggest winners and losers of, of playing on stage? And obviously this is like, guys, this is pseudoscience. I'm not going to lie to you. Like there's going to be a little bit of a track record and a little bit of evidence, but this is not like hard analysis. So if someone on here says this team's going to suffer, remember, take it with a grain of salt because it's, it's all a bit of guesstimating. Emotional, like um, <laughs> playing on stage and playing in the right mindset, I cannot ever say, I don't think anyone can say if like a player is going to be perfectly set up to succeed or will fail. Mm. I think actually there's only two teams that benefit is G2 Fnatic and even then Fnatic's sort of a stretch because we haven't seen their mid and bot uh, their new carries on stage for example yes Niski and Upset have played on stage a lot but yeah. I think G2 is a clear benefactor Fnatic is a question mark but definitely will benefit with the players that they have but if you look at every single other team Rogue, Matt, SK and Schalke I think all of them actually don't benefit from this at all like you have Abadagi who's been playing so well on online Rogue and Mad Lions who went to Worlds and kind of on stage Mad Lions, so well. Mad Lions is the most obvious one they, they, have, the a, obvious they one. have a history and a track record of coming and even you know Max said in interviews coming out and saying that like the transition to stage did yeah. not do them any favors and yeah even, even historically Mad Lions right and then SK obviously rookies so yeah yeah only two benefactors in my eyes yeah I, I think uh, Mad Lions and Rogue while a lot of people be like oh they went to Worlds that was in person and that was rough like I think even just having that experience of recently playing on a stage is obviously going to be of some, some help to them um, I think that Schalke is the team that I'm actually like quite concerned for sk is like kind of an unknown factor for me but if you look at shalka last year they were abysmal at the start uh, of spring right when it when it was all uh, in person and then they went online and all of a sudden abadage like scrim god is showing up right so obviously the pseudoscience is there but like it seemed like everything lined up when they went home they started winning more it started looking a lot better for them um so that i'm a little a little hesitant on uh and then for sk i mean obviously like Tinks, Blue, uh, Jezu, these guys have never played on the LEC stage. I, I think Gen X had a little bit of time um, before yeah. going online. Mm. And then Treats, 
even when he even when he was in NA before the pandemic, he was a cardboard cardboard cutout. Yeah, stage. that's true. <laughs> okay, dude. No, but I think also speaking from my experience from transitioning, I did the whole year of 2019 was on stage, and a little bit of 2020 was on stage, and all of it the rest was on online. Like the difference is actually so noticeable as a player. It's crazy. The smallest of things like uh, waking up, having meetings with all this thing and then having like the, the pressure in the air almost like, okay, you're going to the studio. Okay, the cab's here. Everyone gets ready to get in the taxi. You know, you have your gear on. You're sitting backstage waiting an hour talking about the game. Like it all feels way more high paced and intense than when you get on stage. Like it feels so much different. The air, it's thinner. Like it's slightly colder. <laughs> all these small things, slightly colder. You're not on your home setup. Do you take your shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? Do I cross my legs when I sit? Like it's so so hard to find comfort. Whereas when you're at home, you just everything just falls into a subconscious level where it's like, yeah, I'm ready to play. So I think it's actually a huge difference. If you're wondering if it's a big difference, it's actually pretty massive, I think. So one thing I'm curious to get your opinion on specifically, Cadrill, is as someone who played in Challenger series, as someone who played in regional leagues before there were regional leagues and has played both in a gaming house and on stage and has done that transition. Is the transition in it was Challenger in your time? Is a transition from playing games at home to playing stage on Challenger. Do you feel like that's actually a comparable example? Because I look at, you, we talk about Blue, no stage experience, but he did play in the TCL, right? Like this man has had a chance, like he's going to get those chances. Tinks has played a lot on the EU Masters stage, right? So they have stage games and stage experience, mm. but is that actually, can you actually say that that's the same thing? Or in your experience, does it like, is there like a different level when you enter LEC, there's like a different amount of pressure? From what I can remember, for things like the Challenger Series stage and TCL stage, stuff like this in the regular split, I think that it's not going to be too much of a difference right now, just for one reason, that's the crowd. Like the crowd not being there is actually going to make sure. it very similar. And the crowd actually made it even more stressful, right? Because there's people actually just looking at you while you're playing. It's like a weird, it's a weird feeling, but actually having people right in front of you who are just watching you play, even though it sounds weird, it feels kind of weird every now and then. It, it's really easy to get adjusted to. It took me like a week or two to be like, okay, I don't really care anymore. But that small factor kind of changes it, I think, whereas studios like the TCL, uh, playing online, there's not many people watching you and there's no crowd. So I think that the fact that there's no crowd actually helps a lot. And for example, for me, I, I've played on decently small decently big stages not huge ones not like i don't know madison square garden or like the world's finals or anything like this but i can imagine a huge huge crowd obviously is a little more different to a smaller crowd uh, just from people like screaming you can slightly hear them through the microphones like the the mumbling and all the, the rumbling and stuff like this yeah so, yeah i think crowd makes a difference so i think it would be pretty similar for blue and stuff that's good i mean that's like it's a positive look overall and i think across the board I'm hoping that we don't see too many changes because I think that is the most disappointing way to go out of playoffs and would be the dis most disappointing way for us to watch these series is to spend an entire season like, wow, this guy is so good. And then they show up on land and they kind of choke on land, right? Like that's that feels yeah. bad as a spectator. It feels bad as a player. It probably feels bad as your opponent. You like prep all this stuff. And like, let's say Abadagi is a guy who's going to struggle. He goes from faker doggy to just like chilling. Like that has to be such a bad, bad but feeling. The, the one thing that I don't think we can ever prove. And like we can yeah. talk to players and get their POV is like, if someone were to come out and like hugely underperform, is it choking because it's land or is it choking because it's a best of five and like their entire seat oh, split sure. is on the line, right? Like that's where I've always personally i've hated these conversations of like online versus stage play and this stuff because like while it is a relevant factor i can't get into the mind of a pro player in that so like oh, i can try sure. to think like what is a pro player thinking when they flash forward in a team fight but i can't tell you like wow you know he had bad breakfast this morning True. you know and he, yeah. didn't get, he got seven and a half hours of sleep instead of the usual eight but right like i that's it's tough it's it's for sure like that's like the difficulty of these discussions in general yeah. right it's like on the one hand it is it does matter and it can be super impactful but two like it's unfair to the players 
in cast especially mm-hmm. to speculate like mm-hmm. i'm not going to show up and be like in like let's say we we're casting chalk i wouldn't be like abadage really choking because uh you know land like i can bring up that hey abadage has struggled on land but like i think if anyone wants to make any kind of definitive statement based yeah, on this yeah. stuff mm-hmm. that's where it gets like real unless you are that team's mental performance coach or you are like living with that player day in day out and you like know the science of like tilt or whatever that you see from this mm-hmm. player then like yeah if anyone wants to be like ah, well absolutely just choked on land like, yeah, you yeah. i think there's, there's like the confidence. story you can lead with that is obviously the you know the history of yeah 20 2020 right at the start it was bad then they went online it looked good yeah. what happens today the question and then the yeah. oh man after the series <laughs> Well, you know what? Just like at the start of 2020 when they were playing on, <laughs> gonna, on land, they just look terrible. But it's going to be my call. <laughs> but sure. I think that's the cool thing about how leagues evolved, right? Nowadays, you have these performance managers that will help you with your mindset and getting on stage. And I think what you said is completely true. Like, you can't really relate from a caster point of view whether their performance is based on a personal thing, what they had for breakfast, how they're feeling, if they're sick, if they're cold, the room's not warm enough, then whatever it may be. These things are things that the player is conscious of which i'm sure because i've been through this these are things you actually think about as a player but it's not things you put too much tension into like playing on stage you're like yeah okay i'll try to get adjusted to it yeah okay i like having this breakfast it gives you more energy these are more these are things that do affect your performance but they're to do with more of a personal level and what your coach and your performance coach actually think benefits you most like if you're bad with caffeine for example then coffee is not the go-to because it makes you start to shake and when you play on yeah. stage you're a bit shaky so you want to do like i don't know sugary drinks instead or maybe eating fruits before a game bananas <laughs> so finding this balance is more of a personal thing but it does help but but just imagine imagine like it's like world finals right like g2's there and we're really worried about them getting 3-0 and we're like we made a documentary and we followed g2 for a week and we learned like every factor and so we come into the podcast and people at home are like we want to hear about the gameplay we're like screw the gameplay like yankos he needs his wheaties all right he needs a <laughs> shot of espresso but not too much and it has to be organic it has to be organic and then the second grab like second yankos into it all we're like at gra- grabs you didn't get him the organic espresso did you he couldn't play it was unplayable the, crazy the, the, they come back from the shop they're out of it and oh this, my this god is, this is what analysis they don't have any more like of the coffee <laughs> the crazy thing is that you guys are joking about this but i can confirm all of this i have experienced as a referee like the temperature on, i've been told all the time like i like it's too cold here can you ask them to increase the temperature i'm like uh production is it possible to increase the temperature on stage literally something they can yeah, do by the true. way has been done um the bananas before a game big thing people yeah. love their bananas potassium before a game. Yeah, people potassium, like you know, yeah, caffeine red bull all this stuff yeah i remember like c9 would always like come with like their uh they're like super you know they, they would I, I don't know if they went to like starbucks or something but they went to like some very specific place to get their coffee because they couldn't just have the studio coffee which is fair the studio coffee is pretty booty yeah. So. Yeah, yeah and this all ties in back to like the home versus stage like at home you're comfortable everything's fine there's no distractions but for example if i go on stage and there's no more red bulls left and i I like to drink red bull for the game then it's already distracting me i don't have a red bull now i already feel uncomfortable about the game because i haven't done my routine right a routine is what builds you up to the game and when you're at home the routine is so easy you know you crawl out of bed shower you know get your breakfast your little weedies like you were saying and then you just go to your pc and your slippers <laughs> whereas going on stage you need to make sure you have everything you've not forgotten anything you gotta be dressed yeah you gotta be dressed pants yeah but it was, it was literally like it was very similar i'm sure you can relate to this like casting and, and oh, going yeah. online too where you know usually you come in like five hours before show start you get makeup rehearsal and everything and then i'm i'm online all of a sudden it's like well, I guess I watched Netflix for five hours before going yeah, live. Yeah. I don't also, know what else to do. <laughs> final note before we move on to the next section here. 
Big shout out to the LCS cashers who continue to cast from home because I am booty as a caster from home. And the fact that they have managed to transition that and still have good casts continues to impress me. And, and also, know, congrats being back in Studio Dash, at least. Dash, at least. That's one, one at a time. The new one studio is cool. Yeah. The new studio is cool. Hype. Shout out LCS and all of our European pros there. Um, they're currently playing their playoffs. Some hype matches for sure. But uh, next question. Before we get into the discussions proper, don't worry, that is coming up next. We'll kick off with Fnatic SK. But before that, um, Swedish Corgi at Roast Limpo 1. Um, wants to know, do you think we'll see any picks rise or fall in priority for playoffs compared to the end of the regular season? Playoffs patch is 11.6, and there are a lot of small changes coming in, but a lot of changes that are hitting top-level kind of pro champions, mostly the NAR, a little bit to the Hecarim, Renekton also seeing a hit, Lily also seeing a hit. Like, Do you guys, looking at this patch on paper, I know it's a lot of small changes, but sometimes that leads to, to big things. Do you expect to see any significant like shift in pick ban prior? Uh, I don't think there'll be too much of a shift. I think the biggest ones for me is Azir will fall off a little bit, so we'll probably see more Syndra Oriana. And as a jungler myself, I think that Hecarim nerfs don't do much. Lilia nerfs, even though they didn't nerf her ult, it doesn't do too much either, because Lilia's presence wasn't that high already. It was Udyr, Hecarim, and Nidalee already, so, and a little bit of Olaf. So I think the Hecarim nerf is also not that big. The cool thing about jungle is the Gromp XP uh, and, the, and the Smite buffs, which are really cool. And for me, if you're expecting... 20 HP, just feeling yeah, great just after fe that. It's just, it's just a QOL kind of thing, you know? It just feels good. But if you're asking me if, if there's going to be something that's going to rise up, I think Volibear Jungle could be coming back. I think Volibear Jungle buffs, I've tried it actually a lot in solo queue recently. Uh, it feels pretty good to me. I think this champ could come uh, definitely uh, back into the meta, but I think the AP, AP item buffs uh, and like you said, the Stride Breaker nerfs might make room for more change, uh, but I wouldn't expect it too much. Just You have to think of the pro players, right? They've been screaming on this patch for maybe like a week so or like a week and a half, so they have to yeah. figure out what the most OP champs are, and it actually takes a lot of time to, to dissect the patch. Yeah, I, th I think with like uh, the, the Stridebreaker nerf, you know, some hits like Renekton Nar as well, I wonder if uh, we see sharper champions show up in the top lane. And what I mean by that is, like, if you look at Renekton Nar, they're so, both sort of like tanky dudes, you know, decent enough. They like, kind of do a lot of things. They do a lot good. of things pretty well, right? Um, but but if they start to fall off, like I think like Scion's really good, and like obviously like does like the tank thing like super well, probably the best tank you can run in the top lane at the moment. Um, but do we then see uh, you know uh, sharp like split push type champions like a Camille Poppin, something that yep. is a little bit more feast or famine uh, compared to like uh, Renekton, uh, something like that. Like these are the types of directions I could see us going in top lane and making compositions feel more unique in a way. And to me, that is potentially exciting. Um, and obviously. I think it would be something that we ease into a bit, but I think champions that are sort of like jack of all trades lead to pretty boring games to watch uh, and like less I, stakes on every individual will, moment. The, now the Narnurse, keep in mind, it's just his W passive and yeah, it's yeah. just 10 damage, but it, it will matter. Stride, like, on top of Stride Breaker Nerfs, right? on top of some adjustments to um, not Jarmsfish, Sterics. Thank yep. you, Sterics as well. Like maybe it's enough. Because I was like, I actually like Nar as a champion a lot. I think it's a super cool champion, great identity. How he ever hits an alt and pro play is beyond me, but he manages to, which is super hype. Um, but I'm I'm over it. Like I am so over blind pick Nar. It's so boring to me. I yeah. do not want to see any more Nar into Scion. Blind pick Scion only. That's what I want. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, blind pick Scion's fine. But I think the cool thing is if you look at like 11.4, 11.5 as the patch progressed, you could see the final final weeks of this patch. Things like Cartus Nocturne became OP. The AD the AD solo laners with the AP junglers were true, the meta true. kind of right. So, but Lilia being nerfed a little bit, Renekton and Nar being nerfed with the item changes and the ult on Renekton as well. The Nar buff the nerf on the W as well. So. The ADAP is going to be harder to run, especially with the AP item buffs for mages in mid. So things like Syndra Oriana have a more easy way to get to the, to the late game scaling items on Void Staff and Rabadon. So I think the biggest change you'll see on the top side of the map, I think bot lane will be the same. 
I think things to expect are more scaling top laners, like you said, Camille Jacks perhaps, uh, more tanks in top. I think Volibear could come up to uh, priority. Um, and then I think for mid, just expect more mages perhaps. Yeah, and I, and I think that, uh, again, I, I feel like top lane often has, like, trickle-down effects to other roles. So, like, sure. Especially, like, if we see, like, more Scion taking off in top lane, if people are like, oh, how do we match this? Like, do we need an Orn up there to go into it to, like, have, like, strong team fight presence? Like, that could eventually lead into things like, you know, maybe a Jinx coming or, like, these more, like, hyperscaling-type bot laners being a little bit more popular than, like, the Kaisas we've got right now, perhaps. It's bad because I feel like... I've traded out one form of evil for another form of evil because the two things I hate more than anything are like <laughs> stale matchups where it's just like a zero victor forever or like Narn into whatever forever, you know? And then the thing that I hate even more than that flashback to, I think it was like early 2018 team fight meta where it was, it was Sion, Maokai, yeah. Sion, Maokai top every game, scaling Tristana, 80 carries, every yeah. team fight. The only person you need to watch is the 80 carry, even though it's who's ever front lines first uh, die, mm. dies first loses. You're describing that meta to me, so I'm very, I'm very Look, sad. Drake, I'm, no, no, okay. So if that happens, that'll be that'll be a slow trickle towards that direction. But oh I also goodness. call me crazy. But I, this is what I like most about League is that you'll see like the meta like develop like this over a, a long yeah. period of time. Because like I honestly like I, I love you know heavy skirmish fighting all the time and that gets Please? fun. Yes. But I also want to see a boring front to back team fight every once in a while. Like that's a that's a really like that's a very interesting so dynamic Dracos to play. Dracos wants to see Yasuo Yone in mid. Yeah, I want to see that every time, every second. I want to see that too. But if I get a month of Yasuo Yone, then I want a month of Orn Sion. <laughs> you want to see Penta kills from Jinx and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, 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 or maybe just like a week or two of that. But yeah. like, oh, I, think I, I need diversity. <sighs> yeah, but just to just to round out the patch in general, there's all the all the small changes like the shield yep. bow changes, uh, the shield bow nerfs and changes, the TP it rips buffs, Samira, whatever. By it was. the way, like Samir just keeps taking yeah. hits, losing that life steal for all of right? Samir yeah. is just the Good. loser for every change. And also, like Ravenous Hunter was like the biggest rune on oh, pros for sure. that got slightly nerfed on things. Every every single champ almost ran Ravenous Hunter. So there's all these small changes which could lead to bigger things. It's just so hard to tell without actually screaming and actually dissecting the patch as much uh, with loads of weeks and time yeah. into it. And by the way, if you guys haven't seen yet, Viego still disabled for LEC. Don't, yeah. So don't expect that. Rip. Big rip. I Massive love Viego. Bugs. It's so cool though. I love it. What's I saw the infinite, the infinite AP bug is the one I saw most recently where he yeah. one shots literally every tower Look, in the game. They, they don't call him the Ruin King for nothing. Like, <laughs> just ruined. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> ruined. Is this right. the most buggy champ in the game? I think it is. And historically um, ever? Uh, I mean, historically ever, like there are champions that have like thousands of bugs. They're just like, yeah, it's not pre that rework bad. Mordekaiser. But as far as like game breaking bugs, this is one of the worst, I would say. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to see him the experience. I mean, Silas tester. switching to Shivana and then not having mana for the rest of the game was kind of rough. Uh, not being able to cast abilities, those were good times. <laughs> How boring is that? You're sitting there with no mana. Unplayable. <laughs> Just oh, completely man. Unplayable. At auto attacking Silas at minute 30. <laughs> oh, no, guys, run. Oh, man. Silas at minute 30 already a little rough. All right. Fnatic versus SK. Let's get into the matchup. El proper. Clasico. El Clasico. Please, please stop. <laughs> Guys, it hasn't been El Clasico for years. Like, Trevor was around then. None of us cast League of Legends in that time. None of us can call it El Clasico. If, you, if you've been around since then... I don't then, even know if I played League of Legends with El Clasico. I did. Uh, but this is... So for context, this is... Fnatic have never played a best of five versus SK since the start of the LEC. That's just 2019, 2020, and now 2021. So not a huge period of time, but uh, this is an interesting matchup. Now, I want to go to first to a Twitter question to kick off our conversation because we had one very big of the podcast reach out and uh sk genax at genax underscore law <laughs> what does sk have to do in order to beat fanatic asking for a friend just win your lane's forehead <laughs> but just kill their okay, next for sure but like is this when we look at this 
I think a lot of people are going to be immediately super, 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 super fanatic favored in this. And some of that's yeah. going to be history. Some of that's going to be pedigree. Some of that's going to be the fact that SK was really struggling in the final weeks. That said, fanatic also, it was a rough final week. So what's your guys' read on, on this matchup? Well, I think that the reason that I... So ultimately, I think Fnatic will crush this matchup. Um, and the reason I believe that it's this way is because when you look at the best element of SK, it is their bot lane, for sure. And then you look at Fnatic's bot lane and like the amount of just pure obliteration they've done through the LEC. Like SK win games when their bot lane is getting ahead either through 2v2 or bringing jungle involvement, like making the bot lane very explosive. And that's like their best play style. They don't really play towards top side in the early laning phase at all. Um, Blue just sort of, you know, does his job in mid lane. Um, but I don't think they'll be able to break the Fnatic bot lane. And if you're not breaking the enemy bot lane as SK, opening up the map to allow tre uh, treats to, to impact the rest, I just don't see a world where SK get to play the game plan that they're so good at. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just I just think that Fnatic are too strong on the bottom side of the map for that to happen. Yeah, and if I think of SK just throughout the regular split, every single game that they win, it feels like the start of the game they're losing in a way. It's like... The only way they, yeah. they, they make the, the game winnable just by the clutch factor of the engages or the team fights, which is always a good thing if you're winning fights, but finding the leads is important. I think you're right. I think Fnatic has, it's almost like SK's Kryptonite in a sense where their bot lane is just winning and they have the most 2v2 kills in the league. And their only win condition for SK is bot lane in a sense, because I feel like the rest of them don't really show up. I think I think that SK is so easy to shut down in the pick ban. I think if you take away things like TF, Thresh, and, and then first rotate a support like Rel or Alistar, and then you, you have an all-in bot like a Tristana lane, then it's really hard for SK to play. They can't really pick Kalista into Shana lane. It might be too hard, might be too volatile. Yeah. Self-made can sacrifice himself and be bot side. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely favoring Fnatic in this matchup. Uh, I think SK, for me, hasn't been so impressive when it comes to being diverse. I think that they've been really one-dimensional in the way that they win games. Uh, so, yeah, I think they might struggle. Unless they've... I mean, it's been loads of, loads of time to practice, two weeks to scrim. Maybe they've got something new. And statistically, SK are looking like the weakest team that has made it into playoffs right they are the only team with the deficit on average about 10 and 15 minutes they're not huge but they are deficits shock has one at 10 but actually has an okay size lead at 15 and when you look at it you talk about those very specific picks and like jesu on calista 914 of the course of the season 15 minutes he has 3.3k plus a like when he's playing calista and they get to pop off and he acts as an extra skate for treats like they look so so good they look so dominant that's where most of their explosive early games come from but like you compare that to Jin, which is the only other 80 carry he has three games on and he's quiet he's yep. doing very 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 little and also treats is much quieter comparatively because he doesn't have that calista to back him up to follow him to to gain pretty much automatic lean priority so i if i'm sk i'm sweating right now because there's no simple way out of this and what worked for them in the regular season going through bot lane we've already talked about clearly will not work against Fnatic. short of uh you know some really grief moments from Illusang, to be frank mm -hmm. yeah and i think like both those points are, are super valid too because you sort of saw like sk's draft priorities shift a little bit towards the end of the season where it was a lot more of the gin and, and they had way less explosive uh 2v2s in the bot lane and also like even looking deeper at the team stats of being behind at 10 and 15 minutes like individually each player was behind at 15 minutes too from from the the digging i did last night um which tells like it's not even like you know they have like bot lane is like super popping off in the majority of their games uh, or something like this um like one of their biggest strengths was their bot lane but also their team fighting like thought like even from des even from deficits sk's team fighting and specifically the way that i thought treats and gen x both operated together within fights was really really solid um but i 
I don't, that's not, not enough for me to have faith and in them coming in here. You also have to remember, like, and not to throw too much shade here, because again, I think that SK, like, I want to see SK shift and turn things around, but Whippo's highlight Riven game, where he absolutely yeah. monstered a team, <laughs> absolutely monstered, was against Genax on Vladimir. Now, I don't think we're ever going to see that matchup again, no but way. like, the fact that that ever happened at all this season is like going to be a thorn in the side of SK because it's like, you know, it's game two, you're down 0-2, you're like, all right, guys, the mental's still strong, we're good. And then Blippo locks in Riven. And it's like, if you, I mean, shout out to SK, if you can keep the mental strong when you're down 0-2 and game three, Blippo locks in Riven, like, good on you. But I couldn't. I would break. I would just instantly be like, all right, I'm out. We have to, This is it. I'm done. Yeah, and I think that these two teams are almost identical to each other. You know, you have like the really aggressive bot lanes, you have the farming jungles in a sense, mid lanes are more supportive, things like TF scaling mid, and then top lane is just like Rennington, Volibear, Gragas, which I think both of them have the most played on as well. So I think that SK is like Fnatic light in a sense, but I think that the way SK wins is obviously Fnatic's weakness, what, is, what their crutch is, what's holding them back and what's making them lose green games, which is just fighting too much. Like Fnatic take way too many fights. It's way too many mm -hmm. unnecessary fights. They take yeah. way too many unnecessary dives. So if I'm SK in this matchup, I would pick more of a scaling approach more of an XL approach in a sense. Not too much scaling, a little bit of early game on the support, obviously engage supports, make bot lane volatile, and then pick a more of a impactful jungle in the early game, which is very standard right now, and then let Fnatic play into you a little bit. If you have the aggressive plays and you can go for dives, go for them. But I think Fnatic might overreach, overstep, go for an aggressive dive, and they might ace themselves in a way. So I think Fnatic are their worst enemy in this matchup. So SK should just try to take advantage of that, not to overforce plays, but let them come into them and then just uh, capitalize on the mistakes. So then this is interesting because I initially looked at stats for the junglers and I was very concerned because Tinks is one of the lowest when it comes to the stats that I value for early game impact, which is K plus A at 15. Um, but he's also very, very high in jungle proximity, meaning he's spending a lot of time around his lanes even if it's not transitioning into kills. And normally I would look at that as a very bad thing. But if his job is to go, okay, Fnatic, where are you going to push too far? Where are you going to overextend? The fact that he is willing to spend a ton of time around his lanes without necessarily sacrificing himself too much, even if it doesn't convert to kills is good because then maybe he's just, you know, counter gank duty, be where he needs to be if he can actually track self-made and keep up maybe maybe he can just be like kind of just the int police to be honest just like all right where are you guys going to overextend where are you going to get too confident where are you going to force a play that you shouldn't force and i don't think it's unreasonable to assume that Fnatic, even in playoffs are a team that are going to overforce plays mm, yeah and i think that there's two ways sk can approach this against Fnatic, like i said because Fnatic over overforcing plays and in the early game jungle stats for things jungle proximity is good I, I would expect that to be around mid a lot from what i see things really likes to be around mid not so much around bot lane but I think that there's two approaches here if you're SK. Either you pick things like Azir and you go for scaling, where Azir is kind of out there, more, more control made his wave clear, or you pick things like, I think Blue had success on most things like Rise and LeBlanc, and then just try to play volatile mid, volatile bot, and play heavy jungle into mid bot side, and then try to play the, like mid jungle winning 2v2 into bot, and whoever gets the bot first wins. And then you can play <laughs> against Fnatic on their own game, or you play to make them uh, wait for them to make mistakes. I so I would, I would say wait for them to make mistakes, honestly, because Fnatic always do it but yeah i think the the winning mid jungle is kind of necessary against this team because i don't know i'm i'm 100 sure tf is the biggest champion in this series i'm sure of it i mean it'll be banned every game yeah, yeah for 100 <laughs> for sure yeah i, I think, think it's gonna be banned through playoffs personally <laughs> i would i would kind of hope so the champion is gold card plus global is just well, really you say broken that, you say that but i've seen some blue cards and i've seen some red cards <laughs> <laughs> but blue card does so much damage now yeah Kate. come on true. true shout out to reggie um reggie reggie uh Wow, this is, I think, it feels very doom and gloom. But also, on the other hand, the other thing to consider with Fnatic is that, like, there are two teams that can play League of Legends well at a... They can play League of Legends. I'm not going to say well, Fnatic, <laughs> they've been struggling a little bit this season. They can play League of Legends at, like, breakneck speed. And that is G2 and Fnatic from what we've yeah. seen. Now, Rogue, I think their only weakness as a top team is the fact that sometimes they cannot keep up. But mostly, I think they're there, too. But, like, SK, 
if it turns turn into like, all right, screw it. Volatile ass, super individually mechanically demanding like lane matchups, let's go. And then Fnatic is like instantly TPing bot lane or TPing top lane or like roaming to make a play and just forcing, 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 forcing. Like, yeah, there's going to be a situation where SK are going to get some punishes off, but I don't know. I still favor like if Fnatic flipped the coin enough times, I think it is in their favor in this matchup. Yeah. I, I I think when you're when you're sort of like examining a lot of the matchups, like I just almost have to favor Fnatic on paper. Um, and I, I think the, like SK, you know, I think Kato, you've given like a lot of really good ways for them to, you know, like their best sort of mindset coming into this series. But I also think like if you look at how Fnatic try try to play the game, apart from like the the mindless or not necessarily mindless but like all the time yeah. fighting a very you know, high risk high risk, high risk turret diving uh yeah. at times like ah. a lot of that is going to come through niski roman like on, on stuff like the tf but even like uh, deeper than that so uh, i think that in terms of like how fanatic play the map and a lot of their aggressive plays like we talked about a lot like last year self-made the more like farming style of champion yeah. like they're gonna be super aggressive either when tps are off cooldown or when niski is moving somewhere with self-made to, to like capitalize on, on a building wave ready to crash so uh these are the types of things that they just need to be looking out for um and and i i agree i think like playing into fanatic and like letting fanatic make the first move often is going to be the, the right course of action um and i think that's how sk do largely play uh, yeah. outside out, outside of treats um or capitalizing around volatile bot lanes so here's here's the question and a lot of people ask this as well uh abinish vel at vel underscore abinish and apologies again i'm gonna butcher your name um asked do you think fanatic is gonna be able to cope given the conditions they were in during last week this is the kind of the other discussion i want to have is that uh he Specifically, Avanish brings up, it seems their tent is good, aggressive play. The execution, though, he says, is very far from good. Like, we saw how many fumbled tower dives. Now, I'm inclined to believe that, the, if you didn't know, by the way, I'm sorry, I'm, now I'm all over the place. They came out and basically said that for the past week of playing someone who caught Corona, the team, like, had a lot of sick players in their final week, and now it's been enough time that they're through the the period, right? And they're, all the players should be feeling better, but... I, I haven't had Corona. I don't know what that recovery is like. I don't know how that affects your mental. I know that it you know, can be very difficult for people, even if they aren't in the risk um, age range. And I'm curious, how much do you guys expect from Fnatic? Like, is it just cleaning up little bits that you saw from the regular season? Or do you expect to see like a dramatic shift coming into playoffs at the level that Fnatic's going to perform at? Oh, it's so hard to say because Fnatic have had so many high highs and low lows. That's the problem with Fnatic. They're on either end of the spectrum, depending on how the game progresses. And then if they're on the low, low side of things and they just keep hammering it in until they can try and find a win, which I respect. I think Fnatic's playstyle, although sometimes it looks disgustingly int, it's actually good what they're doing sometimes. Like nonstop fighting can always be a good thing, especially if you're a team that's always committed to the fights because it always catches the enemy team off guard. Yeah. I mean, when I played against Fnatic even last year, I was like, okay, there's no way they're going to fight this. Okay, they're fighting this Drake. And then it just turned into a fist fight and somehow they win it. So I wouldn't be able to talk too much about the recovery stages and the, the personal things that they've had been going had going on and stuff like this because I don't know too much about what was going on, who had Corona, what they were doing, whether isolating, splitting up, going playing from home, whatever it was. I think that the, e the easiest thing to say about Fnatic is halfway through the split, they found the form. To the, towards the end of this bit they lost the form and I think that the fact that they're playing over aggressive is always a form that I've said multiple times playing over aggressive is playing more overly passive like SK is quite a passive team XL was quite a passive team it's so hard to inject aggression whereas Fnatic have had like too many injections of aggression you know they're all pumped up they're like <laughs> red eyes they're like blood coming out of the mouth they're ready to fight no matter what so just giving them a chill pill saying guys you can play scaling 
Let's take smart. You're a really fights. big advocate for just cerebral. drugging players, is what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about. No. You're like, all right, we got a little caffeine for you. We're gonna we're gonna give you the I don't know some bananas for you. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got the Ritalin for you over here, and we got the we got the caffeine for you. Oh, yeah, of course. Just get the aggression. Just get that cocktail. I'm a big going. fan of aggression. I love just fighting all the time. So mm -hmm. I think that there's a much easier way. I think Fnatic have it way easier than other teams, where it's yeah. like just tone it down a little bit. Come on, guys. This tower dive. There's there's four people on that tower, and you're only like three, and you're diving them. Like, guys. Let's count to four here. Let's relax. <laughs> deep Back breath. Off, yeah. Push deep the wave. Breath. And then just still keep our, playing keep our two leads. seconds. You can make yeah. the play. One, two. It, long it, it's so it, it's it's interesting to me, though, because I don't know if they they would be the team to be like, hey, you know, it's playoffs now. Like, we're going to tone it down. Or, like, these are the things we have to keep in mind. And I haven't spoken with Yamato about like any sort of direction they yeah. have in particular in playoffs. They do have two weeks. So if they wanted to, to do some like course adjustment, obviously, they're not going to like completely overhaul anything. They could. But they also said very early on in the season, you know, they're very vocal on Twitter. Like, hey, we're going to play the aggressive style. We actually are happy. Like, we don't care that we're really making mistakes and going for bad fights. This is this is the way we play. So it's entirely possible that nothing changes and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for them it does mean that might not be the cleanest series at times might mean they drop a game um, but ultimately like I, I do feel like they are the stronger team regardless of how they come in barring they just like completely spin out after the first game and while we do have to remember for every team it's been two weeks so much can yeah, change we talked about it like true. from when it comes to prepping for worlds when it comes to prepping for playoffs big international tournaments like massive changes happen when you give a team extra time to look back at their games because the week turnaround cycle in league of legends is brutal you saw it a little bit in the shocker documentary last week it's like it's very hard to keep up with that schedule when you have a little bit more of a break teams can make massive changes yeah. that said what like what is your is this 3-0 i want to i want to get some like final predictions out here yeah. from this series because it seems like everyone's leaning towards fanatic but like how dominant are we talking here i think it'll be a 3-0 for fanatic and just to reiterate my point i think that the the ease of fix is quite easy you know when i hear fanatic's voice comes all i hear is can we fight this they always can can we can we can we positive like let's fight let's fight let's fight i think they just have to i'm surprised they even ask <laughs> yeah i'm surprised they even ask as well but all they have to do is add one more step behind it and it's like what do we get for fighting this is yeah. it a, is it a is it a net positive or a net negative are we losing waves are we going to get their sums do we have a good good setup so i think the what is just a question that they have to, to inject like what do we get from this and if they can do that i think that they'll find more more fl fluidity in the, the decision making in terms of fighting so yeah i think fanatic two weeks of practice i think that they're much looking like the much stronger team i would be surprised if sk win um and if sk do win then damn <laughs> good job to them but i think fanatic best of five yeah i think they'll take a 3-0 it's a nine nine game weekend. It's a nine game weekend. Oh, spoilers for the predictions coming we've got, up. We're gonna Scripted. make some dinner plans. I mean, don't because obviously, but or, <laughs> order in. <laughs> Wonder's gonna make his raids. Yeah. every night if he's yeah. watching the games. Yep. Yeah, um, that's more interesting in other matchups than it is in this matchup. But I think that again, if you are an SK fan and they do pull off the upset, like call us out for sure. But like that will be. That will be a, they will have to dig deep and show us something that we have never seen before, which I'm excited, which always can't happen in playoffs or alternatively Fnatic will have to show us something that we have seen before, which is a little bit of run at some of those tower <laughs> dives ad nauseum until the series is over. Um, and sadly, on paper, both teams come in at the form that we've seen the best side of their form that we've seen in regular season. I agree. I think it's very clearly a Fnatic win. Mm. And worth pointing out that it is single elimination for these two teams. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a do or die best of five. Um, winner goes on to play the lowest seed from the other two matchups. And speaking of those, let's take a look at the first matchup. First seed versus fourth seed. It is G2 versus Shao Kahn Gentlemen, 
we're in another situation where it's feeling on paper a little one-sided. Uh, I don't think it would matter a ton what name was drawn across the side from G2, <laughs> but I think of the teams that they could have drawn, Schalke was definitely, of the top four, Schalke, it does look like the weakest team right now. Um, and while they did good on them for finishing fourth, the tiebreaker rules, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think that the biggest... <laughs> I mean, you always have the arguments where it's like, Schalke or the Kingslayers. They always beat G2 and they, nice. Important things to note before we begin. Broken Blade did solo kill Wonder in a counter matchup. as Aatrox into the Kled. And he monstered that entire game. And True. was unstoppable. Murdered absolutely everybody. So they have done it. Yeah. The problem is G2 is G2. So when I, when I say that, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I think of G2 is flexibility. Like... Uh, they can, they, they're so versatile. They can do whatever they want, especially in the best of five. In the best of one, yes, you might catch them off guard, but when it comes to best of five, they're adapting and they're changing as the, as the, as the series progresses. Whereas most teams are very stale. You can see their, their, their play style is quite obvious. And I think if you look at the progression of Schalke throughout spring, they had these really good drafts with team fight comps that had clear win conditions of like playing front to back with big AOE spells, things like Hecarim and stuff like this. And then halfway through the split, they started trying to play Tristan and Nidalee comps, which are very hard to execute single target damage prior lanes moving to sides which they didn't do too well on and then they went back to sort of a teamfight-esque style with things like Senna and stuff so I think Schalke have found if I look at Schalke's whole split I think that Schalke have found success on teamfight comps but G2 have found success on everything so it's so hard to draft against a team when you have one playstyle and they have every playstyle so I think that's where Schalke are going to fumble uh, the drafts will be quite difficult for them I think yeah I think I so I'll do my best to set up everything that Schalke have going for them and I'll preface this by again okay. saying G2 are going to 3-0. But this is everything Schalke have for them. All right? Kingslayers. Boom. Nailed it. Right off the top. You love narrative. Streaky an team. insanely good narrative. What a, what a streaky team, right? <laughs> you know, you're winning all your games in a row, then you're losing all your games, then they won their last four games in a row. Like, what's to stop them now? Maybe a two-week break. Maybe facing G2. We'll see. Now for the real things, though. Like, legitimately, like, I, I was very impressed uh, with, like, their, their drafting uh, at, at the end of the split. Like, obviously, the game against Excel is yep. kind of an outlier there, but just, like, genius-level uh, setup. Uh, to come in with the super global comp, the super scaling comp, the kill Patrick and auto win the game comp for 6L. That's great. Can't do the same thing against G2, but I'm curious to see what they come up with in draft. And the other thing is that they started relying a whole lot more on Broken Blade as like a carry threat. And um, by this, it's like not just the picks of like the Urgot, the Fiora, like these things that can like pop off a, a ton towards the top side. Um, but they also changed how they drafted in mid and bot lane and started introducing like second supports um, with like Seraphine bot lane for Neon. Uh, and this comes from a player that played like for the first half of the season. I think he played only Kai'Sa, yeah, played, like just a complete mm -hmm. Kai'Sa one trick. Mm. Uh, and now they're playing like Seraphine in bot lane, Seraphine in mid lane to try and like play a more supportive style towards Broken Blade uh, in the top lane and unlocking him not only to, you know, take over side lanes, but also then to be a legitimate team fight threat as well. And I think that these directions helped Shulk so much at the end of the season. Well, and this ties in nicely to what we talked about in the patch segment earlier, which is that there is potentially, and a lot of this is speculation because we're not scrimming on this patch. We don't scrim. <laughs> um, Casters should start screaming. Casters should start screaming teams. That's <laughs> that's great practice for both sides for sure. Maybe we should just watch the scrims. Maybe that's the better use of everyone's time. Um, no, we're good enough, Cadrill. Sharper champions uh, is what you call them. But split pushers, and this is as long as we've known Broken Blade, this has looked he's looked very good on these champions. And while he certainly he had a lot of I will say respectable NAR games on Shaka this season, usually doing fine in this individual lane matchup. You know, maybe not the flashiest games, but like solid individually. It was the Aatroxes that looked better. That Urgot game looked 
monstrous. So the patch shift potentially does help Schalke. And I think it is big what you guys talked about. The variability that we saw from Schalke in the final weeks is, is the biggest change that will be a positive for them here. Because up until the Broken Blade Urgot games, up until kind of the final game where we saw the really focused, you know, seek and destroy Nocturne Karthus composition, I was worried that Schalke were a team that figured out one thing that works for them and they did nothing else. Because you brought up the Nidalee Tristanic games. I'm looking at the Senna Tom Kench games, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of tape over the season before that final week that would lead you to believe that like Shaka tried to branch out and it, yeah. it just failed miserably. But I think that you're actually correct. I think maybe I was overlooking things. Uh, things like the, the Seraphine mid and bot, like you said, that's actually yeah. flexibility there. Even things like the Karma top that Broken Blade was playing. So this yeah. team has shown that they can play supportive champs in different roles, even tanks top, things like the Shen. But I think that the jungle role, I think that Gilius has found the most success on things like Hecarim and then the Cartus game. So I think that's easily shut down. But I think you're definitely right in saying that uh, they have flexibility across the board. Not so much flexibility in terms of early game strengths, more, still more towards scaling with things like Seraphine Karma, shielding comps for, the, for Neon and for Rise um, on Abadage, uh, Abadage on Rise. Uh, so I think that there is flexibility in terms of the scaling aspects and in terms of the more teamfight aspects, but I think that the core concept's still there, that they're still playing towards teamfight and trying to count big lanes to the point that when they group up, they have small adventures. Well, I also think it's fair not to be totally convinced by a final week of games where they played against, frankly, pretty one-dimensional teams. Like, that Excel comp worked mostly worked so well because Excel are so hyper-reliant on Patrick. And as you already mentioned, Ender, that's not going to work against G2. Like, if you one-shot Reckless every team fight, like, that's good. Don't get me wrong. Reckless is a big contributor. But, like, there's caps. There's, there's caps. Wonder, <laughs> there's Wonder. There's Yankos. And it's like, maybe you can win a team fight or like that. Or you don't do that in order to get your Nexus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, then there's, like, split pushing against G2. Good luck. Yeah, like, good luck. Like has playing not one, gone three, one. well for most well, yeah. you, you have to play perfect. Good, yeah, good and, luck. And there's small inklings helping Schalke in a way that the patch discussion we just had saying that Rennington and Nara kind of not out, but they're a little bit weaker. And then I think that's not something I would attribute Broken Blade to too much. I think he had a really horrible Rennington weekend where I think he was like 0 11 1 or something. Yeah, where it was really He rough. had like this mid jungle that needs to play towards top, but he never got any resources. So I think that things like the Camille, the Fiora, the Jax can be quite strong if these champions are out, especially if you're against tanks. So Broken Blade has the advantage there, the supportive tops, the Seraphine, Flex, the, the Hecarim. I think these are picks that'll work for Schalke. I think that G2, I think, will win the Series 3-0, like Ender said, but G2 needs to make sure that they're careful here, make sure they take away the things that Schalke are good at, things like the TF, the Rise, maybe Seraphine, uh, maybe things like the Hecarim as well, and then just draft accordingly. And I think that G2 shouldn't find too much of a problem, but there is still things that Schalke are, are having success on. You need to make sure that you respect that. Yeah, and I think that uh, having you know the week off, having two weeks to, to prep for the series is great for Schalke because ultimately what I'm looking for from this team is to come in with if we only get three games, three very specific different looks. Yeah. Like I, cause I, I think that uh, from what I've seen from the drafting, from, you know, being able to play these support comps, the, you know, the, the Excel game, obviously like I want to see like, what is their way to break G2. And I want them to have a couple of different ideas and see, hey, maybe they can take a game. Like if they come up with something that's really solid there and if they can execute on it, that is ultimately what I think success looks like for Schalke in this match. For sure. And it's also important to note that unlike the Fnatic SK game, this is not an elimination match. Now, if Schalke lose, oh, yeah. they are the lowest seed in the upper bracket. So they're guaranteed to go in the first round up yeah. against the winner of Fnatic versus SK. But mm -hmm. they will get another chance. So, you know, all, if, they, if they can show up and they can figure out something that works... It might, even if it doesn't work against G2, if they go, okay, the concept is good, we need to work on the execution, or like maybe G2 is just too G2 for this to work against G2. G2 is an everything. Uh, an adjective, it's a noun, it's everything. Um, <laughs> maybe they, they can use that against the winner of, of Fnatic versus SK, which is yeah. also really big because 
beating G2 is a monumental task for any team. But if you can make it, if you can make the run down through the lower bracket, that would be incredible. That's still something that Schalke can be proud of at this split. Um, and they have a second chance. It's not all done. If you are a Schalke fan, it's not all done just because you got drawn into G2, which is super nice for the team. Yeah, and I think that, that gives them more room for experimentation. Just try to test, test some limits, you know, against G2. And I think that maybe Schalke can take a game where G2 disrespects in a way you know i think bb is like so good at gp like i think he's 100 on gangplank and then they think like hmm let's just give him gangplank and let's just play like lucian top into it and all of a sudden your lucian tops e even or behind and then the game yep. just falls apart because g2's comp like uh, even with the things like the rumble comp that they had yep. with the jace these comps i don't think they'll do it in the best of five it was fun to do it in best of ones but if they did draft something like this i think Schalke might be able to pick up a win but yeah it's gonna be hard for them but like you said they're gonna fall into the lower bracket it's not gonna be the end of the world for them they're probably gonna be against maybe things like Fnatic, perhaps and then they have to fight their way back, which historically is not a bad thing. I think, am I right in saying that G2 actually lost in the upper bracket and they fell down and then they won yeah, the split? Yeah, G2, G2, G2 have lost so twice. Twice right? in the upper bracket. Last year, because yeah. they lost to Mad Lions and then in spring and then they lost to Fnatic in summer. Yeah, so the upper, the lower bracket's a pretty cool place to be in. It's good if you want that bad. I mean, it's if a high pressure place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you, if you win, it's oh. a good place to be because you get more best of five practice and experience. If you lose, you go Not home. Not sure that logic so, <laughs> Yeah, guys, I want to be in the loser's bracket right now. I yeah, lived. Well, I lived. If it's against not the wall, more best of fives, yeah. it makes you stronger, right? Mom spaghetti, baby. Mom spaghetti. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see again. So, end your week in jungle is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did he say? Newsweek jungles, jungles heavy. heavy. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact, Gillies and Tinks are the only junglers in the top six who are behind their opponents in XP and gold on average. So, Bruh. Fun facts. Thanks. Love me some quick quick, quick, quick stats. stats. That's quick what facts. it is. Um, all right. This will be actually the first time G2 has played Chalka in a best of five in the LEC era. So it's 2019, 2020, 2021. This oh. is the first chance. So we'll see how it goes. Next up, the final match, I think, I would argue the hypest match because it has the potential to be very close, even if it might be a bit Rogue favored. It is Rogue versus Mad. Important to note, though, that Rogue did 3-0 Splice in 2019 and 3-0'd Mad in 2020 summer. So, hmm. history and current form... It's a 9-0 weekend, Drake. In favor of Rogue, but really 9-0. I hope it's just a 10-game weekend, just so Ender doesn't get the 9-0 weekend. <laughs> I just want one person to win the game. I think... Looking at this matchup, right, Rogue right now, and we'll, we'll talk more about, I think, at the end of this, I want to talk about Rogue versus G2, because I think everybody's thinking about Rogue versus G2. What does that look like? And maybe we get to see it next week. Maybe not, depending on if Mad shows up here, but Rogue versus Mad, in the past, it was a, it was a big clash of styles. You know, it was Mad, the aggressive early <laughs> game team. This is my narrative. This is my They're narrative. They're both voice. rookie we squads. Always rookie squads. Yeah. Early game versus this, the calm, controlled late game. But Larson, a.k.a. the Ginger God, um, <laughs> a.k.a. the Teamfight King, a.k.a. the Jungle King because he wore a tiger shirt that one AKA time. A.k.a. the Emperor AKA of Shurima. the Emperor, the literal Emperor <laughs> of Shurima. The Ginger um, God can kind of do it all now. He is not the quirky one trick that he maybe started out as in the beginning of his career. You know, I refuse to accept that he was ever a quirky one yeah, trick. Yeah, well, Cor he played quirky like six games, whatever. It's, it's old. <laughs> He's good. He's really insane now. And I just like, Humanoid has been doing all right. You know, I think Humanoid is, when we look at mid laners, he's always in that conversation with top mid laners, but it's like, it is Larson contesting caps. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's it. If you've ever seen Afro Samurai, great anime, by the way, there's the number one killer, that's caps. 
No one can challenge him except for the number two killer. That's Larson. Anyone can challenge Larson. So this is Humanoid's chance to upset the tables. He can take the headband away. He can fight. You guys don't watch the show. So this I entire thing is being lost. Really but I hope someone in the chat can get the it. Plot. <laughs> bottom line is... Narrative. In order to... Yeah, but... <laughs> bottom line is, Larson right now is the only man looking to challenge the GOAT. Mm. And maybe Humanoid can take that right away from him. But between that... And the fact that Inspired is playing like an absolute monster, looking like the best jungler in the league. Oto Even Omni. though El Yoya has looked really good. Oda Wamne's also good. Their bot lane's Han good. Sama. Han Sama. Trimby's a good lane. Like, yeah. maybe you look at Trimby and go, okay, maybe he struggles on stage. But even if he struggles on stage, it's like, they're still such a good team. The other I, four are going to pop up anyway. I, the, the most disturbing thing about this match is I think if you look at... Is my headband narrative? Well, that's really... <laughs> that's messed up. But, like, I, I, I see, like... In terms of like individual matchups, I see the largest gaps actually in top lane and in bot lane, and yet Rogue's best players are their jungle and mid lane. So yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to find an angle here for Mad Lions, and I'm really not seeing it. But I think if you look at the last time these two teams faced each other, the only way that Rogue won was one shockwave into a Baron into a comeback. That Mad is Lions true. were winning the game. They had Ocean Soul, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were set to win the game. But Mad Lions just always, they always throw games. Even against Misfits, they were winning. Just throw, make mistakes, mm -hmm. get caught, lose a team fight. One person gets picked off. SK, one hex flash, two people die, they lose Baron. Like, but, Mad Lions win games, but then they lose games, you know? But that's a really important point. And that's, <laughs> yeah. I think, yep, if yep. you want to look at a game. Better than Afro Samurai. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, it's great. You have to watch Afro Samurai. The soundtrack's incredible. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm just upset that you're going to want to watch my show. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I think it is really good to talk about that game. I think that is a really important thing to consider because we have seen the game be in Mad Lions' hand. It not end up being this absolute like individual showcase of people being individually outclassed, but it actually being team decisions that stop Mad Lions from winning the game. And I think if you're a Mad fan, that's what you want to look at and hold on to hope for. Now, we can expect that Rogue will clean up their early game, that they won't get put in that situation again. But the bigger thing for me is, like, can Mad clean up that mid-game? Because this is not the first time that we've talked about the Mad Lions roster, and it was last year more that we talked about this, where it was, like, the early game. They are so good. The mid-game. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and that's obviously a bit of an exaggeration. They clearly know what they're doing, but they do make a lot of mistakes, and that's the kind of thing that, like, a team like Rogue will absolutely just yeah. obliterate, yeah, even if they're sense. down 3-4k gold, because the Orianna Shockwave, the 8-health Aatrox going back to full health, whatever part of that stood out the most to you, um, <laughs> can happen. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, it, it sort of goes both ways, right? Because obviously, like, if, if Mad Lions are, you know, clumsy in the way that they, they close out their games, Rogue are obviously going to punish that. But we've all seen, like, the strongest Rogue version is the very controlled uh, game state from Rogue. And I think it's very hard for most teams to contest them. I think if Rogue were to ever beat a G2, it would be in a, in a style like that. Mm. Um, but Mad Lions, what they're best at is when it does get uh, a little scrappier. And this has been a long thing for them, even you know uh, before the, this current iteration of the roster has existed. This has been largely the way the team plays. Um, so I, I think that when we see Mad Lions like, have a good game against Rogue, it will come down to that a lot. Um, but I... I in a full best of five, I, I see this being more problematic. Like, it would not surprise me. I know I said 9-0, but like a game like Mad Lines to win a game is not like super shocking, mm. right? I don't think like there's a huge divide between these two teams in terms of overall skill. But what I do value most in Rogue is the consistency. And I think they can show multiple different styles. I think over the course of the split, they did show that they could play, uh, you know, faster tempo games, more, more involved. One, three, really they played they, the 1-3-1 yeah. competition. Yeah, yeah, but they can play like the Nidalee and Nidalee cannon, and stuff for, yeah. for Inspired as well. The heavy pressure early game, which I think is actually one of their best looks uh, from, from Inspired as well. So I, 
I think that people are going to think back to the G2 game when G2 like obliterated them early on. It was like, oh, this team, you know, they can't play early. But I don't think that's legitimately true. I think that Rogue are actually a very well-rounded team with a lot of different ways they can win the game. Yeah, I think they, the way they lost that game was just miscommunication around exactly. mid-jungle, Larson yeah, yeah. behind. Yeah, But I sure. think, especially like going back to Ender's point where it's like, Mid-jungle is the strongest part of Rogue, whereas he thinks that the gap is biggest in top and bot. I mean, you even saw that in the Rogue Mad Lions game, where it's like, Otto Amelie's playing Aatrox, and he's just quietly farming up. All of a sudden, he's lo- his team's losing the game, but he has a shutdown, because he's up like 50 CS on Aatrox, just catching every side wave, and that's why you see the gaps in a sense, yes. Yes, Armut was grouping a lot to get team fights going, but I think Mad Lions' way of drafting as well was also pretty pretty fine. I mean, they had a plan with the Ari pick into the Oriana. It worked, they got an early game lead, Rogue get a team fight, the game's won. So... I think Mad Lions might be able to win a game. I think this is the one series where I look at it and I think that Mad Lions have a chance to win a game, but I still think that Rogue I, are just too good. I think we can go yeah. full five because I think the other there are a lot of intangibles when it comes into this game match, especially because Mad are one of the teams that has a history of struggling to adapt to stage, but also Mad are one of the teams that has a history of really mixing it up when a new patch comes in. Now, admittedly, with this new Rogue lineup, they're also a team that has shown us more looks that has looked more fresh. Like this is a team I would also expect if there is some new pick that's being picked up for Rogue to grab it as well. Wouldn't have said the same thing last year, but for Mad. There's a lot of, I think there's always a lot of room to get creative. And so I, I would expect at minimum 3-1. And maybe that's too bold. Maybe I'm under undercutting Rogue here a little bit because they have just been so good over the course of the regular season. But I think this could very reasonably be a five-game series. But a lot of it hinges on Mad Lions mid-game. And I think some kind of creativity in the draft, some kind of pick that catches Rogue off guard. Because I do think Rogue is a definitively better team. But I think Mad are a team with enough creativity and clearly have the capacity to build these leads that they can and i i would say should get at least a single game but are they gonna throw them is the question that's, yeah. that's the thing that's, that's the thing that's why i'm saying 3-1 is reasonable yeah. but i can't i can't confidently say five i can't confidently say a mad line I, I because think yeah. ultimately like uh and i say this again with this disclaimer like i keep saying i know but like this weekend could in theory be very volatile for a lot of different reasons like it's two weeks again between that right and i think uh it was even rogue last summer where like farming junglers were not played at all in the lec and then we roll into playoffs and inspired is just spam locking and hecarim and just crushing with it and then you know even a team like g2 took two weeks before they realized wait this is actually kind of op so like if there are to be meta changes like it's possible one team just comes in with a sweet read because we've had a bit of a break but also like returning to stage everything like there's so many different variables outside of gameplay that can make it volatile um but I don't care about any of those. And that's the cool on thing. paper. No, no. That's the cool thing about <laughs> meta reads. They take so long to develop where teams are either hesitant to the point where they're like, nah, that's actually bad. We're going to stick to what's actually yeah. good. And other teams are like, well, we've tested this and it's pretty good. And then the, also the biggest difference comes from who you're scrimming, right? So if I'm uh, Rogue and I'm playing against Mad Lions and I'm scrimming G2, for example, and Mad Lions is scrimming Fnatic, then both of these teams will have different play styles coming into the weekend because they've scrimmed each other and they think that this style is broken versus this style. And then both of them f- try and figure out what the, the meta picks are. So you'll see... Maybe you'll see overlaps in where both teams come to the same conclusion, but you also see, like you said, where it's last year, where some teams are playing farming junglers, some teams aren't, because their scrim opponents, either they find success against it or they don't, and then they yeah. make a decision like that. Well, we don't know how scrims are blocked out, right? Because there's a world where if, like, if I'm Rogue or G2, I'm like, scrims? Scrims? Just like scrim each other, scrim each other. And that's really nice because you're the two best teams in the league and yeah. you guys get like probably the best practice that way. But it's also bad if, let's say, your players 
aren't experimenting a lot and you guys are all really convinced, let's say that like Lilia nerfs are meaningless. She's still a great champion. We're going to play Lilia every game. And then you come in and someone has this like crazy counter for Lilia that you Ghost never Hunter. saw coming. <laughs> you have to think about the, the like the who to scrim meta as well because you're never going to scrim against like the opponent you're facing next. Yeah. Right. It's so, like G2 is not going to be playing Shalka. But then does G2 want to play Rogue that they're probably playing next week and then probably again in a finals matchup? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. It's been tell you about it's, the practice. It's possible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 possible because you also then like if you are playing against the team that you're probably playing in like the most crucial matchups, how much are you willing to show? Mm. You know, because yeah. we are we are really close but, to that as well. So you it's possible we develop like small little echo chambers where it's like, oh, if G two are playing a lot of fanatic and sk maybe maybe that series looks pretty similar maybe we we get a hint of what g2 are going to try to yeah. play. and you see it a little bit and like you can see it in pikmin priority even week to week in the lac because mm -hmm. there will yeah. be like new picks that come out whether it's like the tank hack room or teams that are really prioritizing the senna tom kench and then like two exactly. or three teams in a day will all just first rotation senna tom kench and like yeah, I wonder who you were scrimming. Yeah, like, they were yeah. scrimming each other, exactly. And then <laughs> like, the other teams weren't, weren't probably even aware of the picks, you know? They were like, wait, what? This is broken, and they're a week behind, and all of a yeah, sudden, yeah. well, the Santa Tom Kench is bad. Actually, we're a week ahead. You're just inting yourselves. Win-win <laughs> for me. So this is where we get the spice, is coming up with this on the spot with no insight whatsoever. G2 probably <laughs> want to play Mad Lions a lot, right? G2 Ooh. probably experimenting with Mad Lions a lot. Mad Lions might have a little spice coming yeah, in against possible. Rogue. Sick. Possible. But I, yeah, going back to the matchup, I think top and bottom of the gaps. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every time I see Odo Amne stats, I'm mind blown. Lowest jungle proximity, highest CS differential. Sure, man. He's exactly. insane. And let me, let me, let me do this for you because we're doing like the anime references, right? So Horimiya, which you have to watch, everyone has to watch. Great show. <laughs> Oduamne is like the main, you know, the, the, the male lead from that, right? right? You know, he's got the long hair, he's he's wearing glasses, you know, like from the outside, doesn't look like he's he's that attractive of a guy. You know, he's just some top laner locking in tanks, like it's crazy. And going? then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden we roll into the team fights. Man's cut his hair. You realize he's got like 18 different earrings, he's got tats. The man uh, is he's, he's hot. I got it. It's, he's it's, hot it's, in it's a team Disney fights, you know? It's like the slightly sexist Disney glow up. It's just a complete glow up. Movies, exactly. like, speaking of hair. Take off their glasses and get a haircut. Uh, dude, I need a haircut so bad. <laughs> Speaking of piercings. Ooh. Ooh. Double dangle. Double Delight. dangle. Perhaps. Um, but I think, again, it is a while we are talking about all the different ways in which our predictions can be upset, you know, this isn't to say, like, these aren't to be cop-outs, but just to be aware that playoffs is always a big shift, that there can be dramatic turns. It is a testament to how strong each of the winning teams are in their respective matchups that we are digging deep to find these reasons now i think everything like we start to see shalka versus fanatic you know as it moves on maybe fanatic or shalka versus versus a mad that's when we get these maybe closer more tense series but right now at the top of the table like unlucky but, round one draw every match yeah. i think it's just is just going to be bla uh, blasting on paper i think this match like you're saying blasting i think next week gets really Very good. crazy mm -hmm. but this week with all the external variables has potential to be very against our expectations yeah i would say i think my dark horse is mad lines actually uh i mean even mm -hmm. last year you, you mad lines just came out of nowhere and it's so hard to say like oh well g2's just gonna 3-0 mm -hmm. uh finance gonna 3-0 sk because even last year it's like mad lines just beat g2 in yeah. a best of five it's like <laughs> sorry what what and <laughs> el yoya is good We've agreed that there are their roster across the board is upgraded. And as much as we feel like there's, you know, a bot difference on Rogue's side, Karzi and Kaiser are good. Like, Karzi and Kaiser are very good bot very lane. Good. It's just been, the performance this season just has not been there. So, sure. it doesn't, I can't, 
in good faith be like this is this is the series where they show up but like kaiser was what treats has been this last season last year he was the only support to start contesting you know maybe alongside vander the hillisangs and mickey x's of the world so the that p word as much as i hated the potential is there for mad lions so i think you're right that's the dark horse everything else like I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough from Schalke to believe that Schalke can turn it around. I haven't seen enough from SK to say that they can turn it around. Of course, yes, there's a world where it can happen to because it's a long time, but it just it's not it's not there for me. Yeah. All right. I just I just want to see what people have been scrimming with. I want to see some crazy. I really hope there's some spice. There will be. There will be. Schalke will have spice. Hold Mad Wings Lions level will spice. Have spice. Those are two those are the two spice teams to look out for. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the Fanatic Spice Girls composition. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get some just final predictions. Ender, are you still 3 0 across the board? 9 0 across the board. Cadrill, Fanatic versus SK. 3 0. G2 versus Schalke. 3 0. Rogue versus Mad. 3 1. Hey. Man, I, I just won one win. I just won one win, so it's 10. <laughs> 3 1. Okay. Well, we're. Well, we're it should be Schalke. That's the only team to win a game. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You guys Been were talking series. beforehand, and I don't want to do this bet on Euphoria, but there is room for you to do it on your personal streams, and I like giving you guys the 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 stream clout when you guys come on the show. Do you guys want to do the thing? Are we doing this? It yeah. would be Rogue Let's versus do- Mad. <laughs> Rogue versus Mad? Rogue versus Mad. So wait, what's the bet? Well, not what's the bet? Oh, if it's three zero or three one, three zero three one, and then if it's three two, we both have to do it. Okay, and what if Madline wins? <laughs> then, then you're wrong. Yeah, you're then, both wrong. Then we still have you to still both, both have to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I think the bet involves wearing um, cat ears and yeah, and you have to be a cat girl on stream for how long? Two games, one game. Yeah, you guys I, just can't do it for an entire. It's what, such bad content. Like I stream for like eight hours. People who watch your streams. After one game, I do not want to hear you say nya or uwu anymore. Until oh, chat tells us to stop. I How think, about I that? Think one, you can take a poll after every game. I think one, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, one full game. No, chat In chat key. can vote to keep chat it going. Can vote. Okay. That's the, that's I, think, good. I think the prop is here in the studio, right? The little ears. You can yeah, take yeah. one. For but sure. I, think, I think we'll have to do a little like black makeup on the nose and then the whiskers. The whiskers right? for sure. Yeah. Whiskers for sure. Are you good? Yeah. I'm You're good? Yeah. I'm done. All right. What's the euphoria without some kind of bet? Yeah, you gotta this is, love to see This it. is way better than fish sauce. We'll keep you posted. Maybe we'll add a clip of it in. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash Cadrill, twitch.tv slash Endercast. Yep, not Endercats. Endercats. Ender <laughs> okay, dude. Endercats. I'll, I'll, I'll be Catrill and you'll be Endercats. <laughs> Yo, that's actually that's so good. That's good, right? That's so okay. Good. All right, this has been and we can only play Nidalee Yumi. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, as long as chats go, I don't care. If you guys want to see them dress up as cats, you need to be watching Rogue versus Mad this weekend. See who comes out on top. If it is a 3-0, Ender will have won the bet. If it's a 3-1, Cage will have won the bet. If it's anything else, they both will Ender, have lost. Let me hear your meow. Yeah. <laughs> meow. Oh, man. I don't... This is why I didn't want this. They just can't do this anymore. Um, that said, our match of the week to watch. Yes, Rogue versus Mad is hype, but you need to be watching Fnatic versus SK. Hashtag no bias, but we're casting it. All three of Let's us go together. Boys. So if the you want boys. more of this, if you want the boys, if you want to hear what we have to say about that thrilling match. Is that our tri I, cool, I have a cool graphic coming for it. The boys. Work. Yeah, I have a cool graphic boys. coming. We can Photoshop the Amazon original series. I'm just shouting out random stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos, like call me. Nice. <laughs> Let me get that Amazon No, I was thinking the hot fuzz one where it's me and you and then Ender's little face in the background. <laughs> <laughs> With the fire behind us. <laughs> all right, all right. Coming we'll, we'll to a playoffs near you. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who submitted uh, questions across. We only asked uh, a few questions directly, but we used so many of them to inspire what we wanted to talk about today. This has been Season 7, Episode 10 of Euphoria. We'll be back next week with more guests. 
coming in. We'll also be talking more about the playoffs matchups coming up and maybe some other topics as well. So be sure to tune in for that. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you guys for round one of playoffs. Bye bye. Yeah.